the relegation race is over. Long live the relegation race. Welcome to Hand of Pop. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 290 of the internet's finest English language Argentine football podcast. I'm Sam Kelly. This week I'm joined by Andres Bruckner. Hello, Sam. And Peter Copes. Hello. Who's not been here for a while, so welcome back, Peter. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be back. It's particularly um, dedicated to Peter to come today, of all days, because Independiente are playing in the Copa Libertadores in. Um, nearly three, two hours, right? Yeah. Quarter to ten is a kickoff. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to get Peter home in time for that one. Um, let's go through the results from last weekend. First of all, if you hear any meowing or crashing or banging or anything in the background like that one just there, that's because uh, there is a cat in the house now. So the hand of pod, having largely been recorded without animals in the studio for a good while, uh, the last few episodes actually have been, apart from last week when we were at Dan's house. But uh, this is the first time she started making any reasonable Yes, I think today will be hand of meow. Yes, so say hello to Latrice, my uh, new lodger, or our new lodger, me and my girlfriend. Um, the results from last weekend were Gimnasia 1, Atletico Tucumán 2, and Atletico Tucumán are in action again right now in the Copa Libertadores. They're away to the strongest. That match is currently 1-1 in La Paz after 43 minutes. Huracán 1, Argentinos Juniors 0. And then on Saturday, Godoy Cruz 3, Tempele 0, a result which relegated Tempele. Olimpo 0, San Martín de San Juan 2, a result which relegated Olimpo. Lanús 0, Banfield 0, Belgrano 3, Arsenal 0, Defensa Justicia 3, Racing 2. Oh, that's why Peter's decided to come on this week, okay. Union 3, <laughs> Union 3, Tigre 3 on Sunday morning, so yet another high-scoring 11 o'clock kickoff. Patronato 0, Estudiantes 1, Chacarita 0, Colón 2, a result which meant that if Vélez Sarsfield avoided defeat the following day, Chacarita would be down. River Plate 2, Rosario Central 0, Independiente 1, Boca Juniors 0, Newell's Old Boys 2, Tacheres 1 on Monday evening, and then Vélez Sarsfield 2, San Lorenzo de Almagro 2, a result which relegated Chacarita Juniors. So the result uh, of all of that, the, the big fallout, as I mentioned at the very beginning before the theme music, is that the relegation race is now over. Uh, Tempele, Olimpo, the, the table isn't loading so I'm trying to remember them all off the top of my head. Arsenal, who of course went down a couple of weeks ago, and Chacarita are the four teams to be who are relegated. But the reason that I said that the relegation race, long live the relegation race, is of course next the, the next campaign relegation race is already well underway um, because some of the results from this, or all of the results from this season, in fact, are going to count towards it because of the way that the Argentine relegation table works. We will go through probably at the end of the season um, the, the way that uh, the likely effects of that, which teams are going to be starting next season in particular peril uh, because there are still four games to go this season, of course. Um, 
guys from the weekend just gone? Any matches that really stood out for you? I think I can guess a couple of answers already. Well, Peter is here, so I think that we can start for the obvious uh, match in which uh, he will be more more interested in. Well, I, sp- I suppose we so the on-off title race is maybe on again. Possibly. It, it might be. <laughs> we can't quite decide. Boca's defeat away to Independiente, which was thanks to a Martin Benitez goal um, about 10 minutes into the second half, uh, means that they are combined Sorry, with Godoy Cruz beating Tempele 3-0, means that Godoy Cruz are now four points behind Boca with four games to go. The fixture list which I'm trying to load, but this website stopped working, so I'm going to go for another website, um, looks, to me, a little bit kinder to Boca than to Godoy Cruz. Um, but still, maybe there's some room for drama. If it's a little open, though, I think. Not, uh, I, still, I will stick with Boca becoming champions because uh, I, I, <coughs> even when they have lost two matches in a row, which a couple of matches ago was uh, difficult to think about, I don't see Boca uh, letting go uh, all another two games and Godoy Cruz winning those games, um, and with the even with the fact that Boca ha- has a lot of now injured players, uh, that there were Gago Tevez now it's with Barbarios also, which is uh, I think the the worst. <coughs> Carry on, Andres. Just talk over the car alarm. I think it's the worst news for Boca because now a player like Sebastián Pérez, the Colombian that wasn't uh, t- uh, being taken into account even for for the I think for the substitutions for the bench, now it appears like a, a great option for for the midfield, which talks about something at Boca that the, the team is like dismembered or or In- what. Yeah, in, in terms of recent form, there's really no contest. Godoy Cruz have won six games in a row, a run during which they've conceded two goals. Um, and Boca, in their last six games, have... Is this six games? Yes, it is. Have two wins, one draw, and three defeats. This is only in the Superliga. This isn't counting the, the Supercopa um, against River. Um, but you do wonder whether it's just come a little bit too late. The, the, I mentioned the fixture list already and, and how it looks to me a little bit kinder to Boca. Uh, Boca's next game is at home to Newell's Old Boys. Um, Godoy Cruz this weekend are away to Banfield. Then Boca are away to Gimnasia, while Godoy Cruz hosts San Martín, which on the face of it is a relatively interesting, uh, is a relatively easy game for them. But of course that's the Clásico, um, or the closest thing Godoy Cruz have to a Clásico these days. Um, then Union at home for Boca and Argentinos Juniors here in Buenos Aires for Godoy Cruz and then on the last weekend Boca have to go to Huracan which could be interesting and Godoy Cruz are at home to Tigre I think given Godoy Cruz's home form remember they've won all of their matches at home with the exception of that 2-1 defeat to Racing um, we probably have to call the, the San Martin and the Tigre matches victories for them but the two away ones could be awkward yeah I would be surprised if I would obviously you'd still make um, Boca firm favourite and um, if it went to the last weekend where Godoy Cruz could still win the league with a win then I think um, Boca would be very concerned by that situation 
Sorry, I was just walking to the window to see. Can you hear the, the yeah, fans? Yeah. yeah, I can't see oh, any yeah. of the clanging fans together. But there this... appears to be a Casarolasso going on outside. Um, th- these are the sounds of Buenos Aires listeners, so just dr- drink them in. I'm really sorry if you're uh, getting distracted and they're too loud. Hopefully, they're, they're not that loud over the, the sounds of our voices. Um, sorry, Peter, you were saying what you had just said. Yeah, no, I'd be surprised if we went to the final weekend. Yeah. To be honest, even though. Godoy Cruz are in tremendous form and, and Boca are playing pretty awfully. Um, I, I think principally, the, the, the reason that I still think Boca are very heavy favourites, as Peter throws some paper on the floor, don't worry about that, uh, is that their next opponents, Newell's, um, in spite of the fact that they just got a quite impressive win over Tacheres and are three games unbeaten, I find it difficult to see them going to the Bombonera and getting a win with the way that they have been playing. They have tightened up a little bit in defence, they've become a little harder to beat, but it's still not fantastic for them. Yeah, I think Omar de Felipe has won all three home games, but I think they've lost both the away games he's been in charge. They're, yes, uh, well, almost. They, they lost to Argentinos, and then their, their previous away game, the most recent away game, was a 1-1 draw right. with Atletico Tucumán. But yeah, the, the, the recent victories, San Martín, 2-0, Tigre 2-1 and Tacheres 2-1 have all been in Rosario um, so yeah it, it's a, a tricky one to see I guess the hope for the chasing pack is the injury to Wilmar Barrios um, it was an injury plagued first half in fact in Avesione, because Independiente lost Fabricio Bustos and Tonas Gutierrez um, and Wilmar Barrios had to go off for Boca um, he has been key to them and he's Possibly the one player really in, in Boca's squad, certainly the one player in their midfield who they don't really have a direct replacement for. Um, and, and you have to have Pablo Perez who is not injured but he has shown a red card mm. at the end of the match, so it will be hard work for Guillermo to, to build again the, the midfield in a match that will be, will be high pressure for them, even when, when it's news, the, the rival, and when it's at the Bombonera where Boca feels safer. When they won, they lost against Defensa Justicia. Yeah. I think that is Defensa Justicia is a great team, which could easily win, defeat Boca. But well, now it's a, a big pressure for Boca, even when Newell's is a, a team that well, not easy to win. But uh, I think the difference is this Boca team at, with how they were playing, and even more so now. At the weekend, we'll probably see even more so without we'll, without Barrios and Perez. Um, teams are now playing them, thinking they're vulnerable and we can have a go at them. Whereas yeah. I think the Boca in the first half of the season, when Benedetto was playing, when Gago was fit, um, and they were more or less full strength, there was already team teams were coming to La Bomba now, were already thinking mm, we're up against yeah. it here and, and sort of sitting back and welcoming on pressure. And I think at the moment, um, Boca are having to react to teams coming in with a very different mentality. Bolz is also injured, um, Bergini had to get into the team, he's not the best defender you know, and uh, Agustin Rossi, who is not the worst goalkeeper in the world, but he doesn't save uh, matches, so I mean, Boca doesn't win matches because mm. Rossi has had great saves. And, and, that, and that was actually a point that was very well illustrated in Avellaneda at the weekend because Martin Campagna at the other end is a very good goalkeeper he's precisely that kind of goalkeeper at least at this level um, and he did make a couple of really good interventions I mean let's talk about the match for a little bit because it was a, a decent win for Independiente I thought they, yeah, they, they could have won if they hadn't sat back a little bit too much maybe after scoring I think they could have won by, by another goal 
Yeah, I mean, they never tend to do that because independently, even when they do create chances, don't seem to take them, so it ends up being closer than games should be. Um, but it was a crucial win for Independiente, considering um, how tight it is for the Copa Libertadores qualification. Um, and obviously, as you mentioned earlier, with Racing losing, who were at the time the closest competition, yeah. um, it's now put a bit of a cushion there. And, you know, yes. Indeed, yeah, the situation now, pardon me, as I've already mentioned, uh, Godoy Cruz are now four points behind Boca, Boca have 50 points, Godoy Cruz have 46, um, after that 3-0 win over Tempele, which I think I'm right in saying Santiago Garcia scored twice, is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so he's now top scorer outright. Yes, he is. Uh, San Lorenzo have 43, so they're in third. Independiente are on 42 in fourth, which is the last of the automatic group stage qualification places for the Libertadores. Tacheres currently occupy um, the playoff Libertadores spot with 41 points. And then the Copa Sudamericana places um, are headed up by Colón, uh, by Colón, by Huracán, sorry, on 40 points. So it's still quite tight. There are only two points separating Independiente from, from sixth place, Huracán, and, and a, a place in the Sudamericana. But then, as Peter says, there's a bit of a cushion because below Huracán, you have a four-point drop again to Racing and, and, and Union and Argentinos, who all have 36 points. Um, so it looks very much as if the Libertadores should be between... You're maybe looking at Huracán battling it out with Tacheres and Independiente for that fifth place from Huracán's point of view. And, of course, Independiente just have to try to make sure that that doesn't happen for them. Um, are the injuries to uh, to Honas and and from Argentina's point of view, perhaps most importantly to Fabricio Bustos, uh, serious, Peter? Or no, I think um, Bustos is expected to play tonight. Yeah, right? exactly. His was a spr- an ankle sprain, yeah. so I think he's expected to be fit to play against uh, Corinthians tonight. Mesa um, is perhaps more complicated. No, he's no? he's apparently oh, he's Mesa's he's, coming back tonight. He's back oh, tonight right. as well. Yeah, so they're obviously two huge boosts for uh, Independiente, but obviously two players that are, are now in the middle of the discussions for Argentina's World Cup squad so the um, Ojo is not independent now but could be at independent and it's really complicated it's Agüero we could, we could talk about this later our national team yeah but well, yes um, I've just spotted by the way that Independiente's next match is at home to Defensa Justicia the Orlando Derby yeah that should be entertaining from a neutral point of view, and you know, from also from a River sympathisers' point of view, that's good as well because hopefully it helps River to uh, cement themselves in those in those Sudamericana spots. I think which is equally as tight, going from about from Racing in sixth all the way down to where it is. Yes, yeah, so, as I've mentioned already, Orakan six forty points, and then Racing in seventh with thirty six, Union in eighth with thirty six, Argentinos in ninth with thirty six points. River are in tenth with thirty-five points, and so are Defensa Justicia. Sorry, they're not also in tenth. Obviously, they're eleventh on goal difference, but they also have thirty-five points. That is the bottom Sudamericana qualification spot, and then there is Estudiantes in twelfth on thirty-five points, Colón in thirteenth on thirty-four points, Belgrano in fourteenth on thirty-four points, Atlético Tucumán in fifteenth on thirty-three points, and then a bit of a gap to Rosario Central on thirty-one. So you've got. Uh, from 15th down to, well, 7th seventh place Racing down to 15th place down to Tucumán are separated by three points. And five of those teams are in the Sudamericana spots and four of them are not. So that's, that's probably the, the main interest now. <coughs> if we're saying that Boca is still going to 
cruise to the title with a game to spare, which which they might not, but which still does look more likely than not. Um, then the main interest really now, I think, is in who's going to get those Sudamericana spots with the, the relegation places already having been settled. Yeah, for sure. Um, other matches from the weekend? Well, they, sorry, but there was a... <clears throat> I know that the, the referees' facts and that things are not very <clears throat> talked here because uh, we tried not to make about the referees a story, but uh, there was big discussion because, of course, Boca... Uh, protested and, and oh yeah, yeah about the penalty that there was doubt uh, doubt if it was or not, but for Boca was it was the reason for Pablo Ferris's red card, not because the referee thought he'd fouled, but because Pablo Ferris was so convinced that he started shouting in the referee's face on a yellow card already. Yes, uh, because he's a really clever guy. He's the team captain again, by the way. Just just like to remind everybody that every time he gets a stupid booking. Um, what did we think? I. When I first saw the replays, I, I was like, mm, mm. I mean, he, he certainly, who was it, Peter? Uh, Gonzalo Redon. Thank you. Uh, he jumped, I think he was trying to punch the ball. I'm not sure whether he actually managed to or not. It definitely hit the Boca guy's head. Yeah, yeah. I think it might also have hit Veron's arm. Yeah, my, but I couldn't really tell. Yeah, my and point if you're the was, referee, you have to be able to tell. Exactly, and my point, was, which I found amazing, is that after the game finished, um, they say must have had just the replay on for about I'm not even exaggerating by 30, about 30 minutes yeah. as they discussed and just a loop of the re, of the incident and even then they were still there was a uh, maybe one person saying yeah I'm not sure some people and say something oh, in the play a lot uh, putting like a, a, I don't know a closer they come closer to the, to, the, to the hand to see whether yeah but I thought if you have to do this then it's not the worst decision in the world not to get no. a penalty in that case but the reaction from Boca is if they've just had the biggest robbery committed against them which maybe tells you something about the refereeing that they're used to as, and as, as I said on Twitter as well it, it's kind of fitting that uh, Gianluigi Buffon who is a man who appears to think that Juventus are hard done by referees the next logical step in his career is to come to Boca Juniors <laughs> the, the fact is that uh, the, the uh, Despite Elizondo said that it wasn't the hand, mm-hmm. Penel, Ariel Penel, which is not Penel, is Penel, uh, was stopped. He, he will be uh, playing for National Bay. Yeah, I couldn't believe yeah, that. Just to uh, give a little bit of background to what Andres is saying there, Horacio Elizondo, the, the great Horacio Elizondo, my mate, um, who uh, I interviewed a few years ago and who was the, the man who sent it off in the World Cup final in 2006, is now the person who... who allocates the referees um, basically for, for the Apple or, or oversees the allocation of referees for Superliga matches um, and yeah Penel as Andres says um, was the referee for this and has been rested for this coming weekend so it's tricky but then at the same time I guess but when you look perhaps at how many say, awful well, decisions there are in the Superliga every yeah. weekend that was not one of them but not all of the awful decisions are <laughs> Involving one of the big five or well, two of yeah, the big five, because I'm not going to pretend that this is only something that Boca talk about, of course. But um, it is. It, it was. Uh, yeah. Thank you for reminding us. Hope, hope this is not a message for the referee that will be at that match between Boca and. Of no, because I mean, I, I'm sure that if we could get something from from Mr. Elizondo um, on this, then he he would make the point as well that sometimes after the after the kind of attention that he's had. Maybe Penel just needs a week off just because of that, not necessarily because it was an awful decision, but because 
he's going to be under such enormous pressure next time he referees that perhaps it's best that he doesn't referee the, the very next weekend. Um, uh, and talking about polemic referees or, or polemic decisions in matches, Diego mm -hmm. Ceballos uh, when was back to the. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember the match in which yeah. he was uh, included, but he, after two years, he uh, well was the referee of a third division match again. Bearing, of course, his his scandal was gifting Boca the Copa Argentina, obviously, in which case they hugely benefited from his decisions. I'm flipping through all of the games now. He was the referee for Belgrano versus Arsenal, oh, okay. uh, which was a relatively uncontroversial game. In that, I, I suppose the most surprising thing that happened in it was that it was goalless at half time, but that's because Belgrano aren't that good either. Um, and then they rolled in three goals after after the break. Um, Did either of you see that one? Just for uh, highlights. No. So, yeah, nothing really to say except that Arsenal lost a match and we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about it. Um, there were some very high-scoring games, though. Two in particular stood out. On Saturday evening, tremendous entertainment in Florencio Barrera where, refereed by Andres Merlos, um, Defensa Justicia took the lead and then gave it away and then retook the lead and then gave it away again thanks to two goals from Ricky Centurion and then managed a winner from former River youth striker Juan Caprof um, to make it 3-2, which was how it finished against Racing. Um, Ricky is not letting all of the off-pitch bollocks affect his on-pitch performances, though, is he, on an individual level? Although, obviously, he didn't win the match for Racing or even get a point for them. But um, He's pretty used to it now, isn't he? Fun. He's pretty used to it by now. I suppose he is, yeah, he's becoming... <laughs> what's the word inured to it um, but uh, another impressive win for Defensa who proved that they you know it's, it's two straight wins against the Big Five I think they flashed up a statistic on the television before the game saying that since they've come up they've played I can't remember how many matches against Big Five clubs and they've managed two wins obviously one of them being last weekend against Boca and now it's three wins and two of those are consecutive um, so well done Defensa and they, against River they were if you could say unlucky <clears throat> because the second goal for yeah. River that uh, ended the se the first half was like a flipper, like was uh, a, a lost ball there that uh, bounced in in, in uh, Pinola and, and the ball was into the net. So uh, after that, the the first half is, uh, ended and it was a high, it was a big big uh, uh, knock for 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 them. Mm. Particularly impressive on, on, on Saturday, by the way, was that they did that without uh, Adrian Barbosa, who got himself sent off against Boca for, again, yelling at the referee. Um, so, I think it was against Boca, wasn't it? No, it was possibly the previous week, but he had a yes. He was suspended or, or injured, or so he didn't play for some reason. Um, so, without arguably their most important um, defender, uh, Lisandro Martinez was the one who came in to replace him alongside Dylan Gisi, the Swiss defender. Um, and they still managed to hold out for the win against a Racing side who have been very entertaining indeed this season and in particular this calendar year. Um, Racing is starting to well, he's keeping. They are keeping their good offensive task with well, mainly Ricardo Centurion, but they are having problems now uh, in defense. Yeah, course. they are. They, they've they've not won in three matches and they have conceded seven goals in that run. A two-two draw with Belgrano. They lost 2-0 to River, of course, last week, and now this 3-2 defeat to Defensa Justicia. Um, the next match, ooh, the next game's a tricky one, away to Central, 
Chachao Koldet's former team, who are playing quite well at the moment, at the moment themselves, excuse me. Uh, and then they've got one that definitely should help them to get um, back to winning ways. They have a home match against Arsenal. Yeah, well, that's so, an absolute banker. But that's I think the, this last weekend they did have um, players out, didn't they? Because they're, they're playing in the Vasco de Gama this on tomorrow. So I think that, they that most of the defence were rested or injured or not yeah. rest. The defence was Ivan Pichoud at right back, <laughs> Rodrigo <you> Schlegel <laughs> and Miguel Barbieri at centre backs, and Alexis Soto at left back. So, so Soto's yeah. really the only one of the regular. Precisely, back yeah. Going forward, it was a little, yeah, I mean, even going forward, actually, that's fairly mixed, because you've got um, uh, Marcelo, uh, sorry, Marcelo, um, uh, Martin Ojeda um, on the left wing, and Lisandro Lopez isn't playing as frequently anymore as a starter for them, and he was up front. Um, but with Martinez, no? Yeah, yeah, Lautaro Martinez yeah, playing yeah, yeah, alongside yeah. him, yeah, four four two. 4-4-2. Um, so that was defensive justicia racing, broadly speaking. Um, the... I mean, about the relegated sides, did anybody actually catch Chacarita Colon? I was out for it, so... Yeah, sorry, good. No, uh, never mind, that's fine. Um, and Patronato Estudiantes, which uh, is a nail, perhaps, to Patronato for next season's relegation table. Uh, but even so, Patronato is still relatively high up that. They're, well, they're 22nd, I suppose. So in a 26-team uh, championship next Term. It's going to depend, really, isn't it, on, on who comes up and on how many points everybody else is dropping. So we'll have to do that at a later date or later on in this episode. Um, I think what could be interesting is to like, Patronato and Belez as well, to some extent, next season are still both going to be in the mix. Mm. But they could be without their main source of goals. I mean, I'd be surprised if Rivas is still at Patronato. Belez um, have had a good term this season. They've won significantly more points this season. Uh, than they have, although it's a bit confusing this table I'm looking at now. Than they had, than they did in either of the previous two years. <coughs> but then I don't know whether actually this table is. No, I mean I think Velez so. is Velez have been better than their points tally suggests this season as well. I mean they were they the draw against San Lorenzo mm. is is a decent point anyway. Uh, but they haven't they've only won once in about ten games and just been drawing a huge amount. Uh, my mistake, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm having to look at the table on my mobile because the browser's not loading properly and I've now got the browser to load the full table and in fact they've got far fewer points this season than they did last season. 2016-17 they got 37 um, and they've got 29 to come off from 2015 when this when the next term begins. I, I keep saying term instead of season because it's, it possibly, is only, very probably, is only going to be half a season. Um, so, yeah. It, it's Venice are going to be tricky as you said and who else did you say Peter? Patronato Patronato obviously yeah because they've only been up for two seasons no, but, but, but the point I was up. making is if, if you take Rivas um, out of the attack for Patronato yeah. they're asking if that happens I mean I'm assuming someone will probably come in for him and he'll want to go um, and the same I'm assuming Mauro Zanati's little third spell at Velez will probably come to an end mm. um, which again weakens Velez going forward considerably although Belgrano just looking at this right now are going to be really in the shitter because they've got 51 points from 2015 going off the table and they got in 2016 16 points in 2016 so that was in the transition of course in 2016-17 26 and this season so far 34 so they're going to be dropping like a stone um, from already not particularly high in the relegation table. They're 19th 
I think they're going to start next season in the relegation zone, with the exception of the, the two promoted teams, of course. Um, and then other teams who've got a load of points to come off and who don't have very many. San Martin must board. be down there now. Uh, San Martin have got 37 to come off. They had in their subsequent three seasons they're going to remain on there. They've got 23, 33, 29. So. Tigre also. Possibly. Tigre, yeah. Oh, good oh, point. Yeah. yeah, Tigre have got 46 to come off, and since then they've got 20, 31, and 20. They're going to be interesting. So that's not looking good. But obviously, we'll go over this properly at the end of the season uh, when we actually know how many points everybody finishes with because maybe Tigre win their last four matches. Because that seems likely. They are much harder to beat than they were before. Um, Tigre, I'm talking about now. And indeed, they. I don't think they lost, did they, at the weekend? Look, they better not have done that. Right, right. uh, where are they? Oh, they came back against Union, didn't they? That three Oh, well done, yes. From th- from 2 0. I walked in with this game at, right after they made it 2 2. So they came from 2 0 down. Uh, Union's goals 26 minutes in from Franco Fragapani, and then a penalty from Franco Soldano 75 minutes in. And then Ignacio Canuto pulled one back in the 83rd minute. Uh, Fabian Gonzalez, I think it's Fabian, isn't it? Federico. Federico, thank you, Gonzalez, scored in Tigre's very next attack to make it 2 2. Then there was a red card for each side, and then Carlos Luna put Tigre 3 2 up in the 90th minute. No, Canuto scored a long goal for Union. Union went back in front. Canuto scored the goal for Union. Yeah, you're right, they've put the goals the wrong way around on on this app. Uh, Ignacio Canuto. Scored an own goal to put Union 3-2 up, thank you Andres, um, in about the 91st minute. And then Carlos Luna scored even further out, no, in the 90th minute in fact. And then Carlos Luna scored in about the 92nd minute to make it 3-3. Funny is that Canuto said, oh, uh, pardon, I, I, I beg your pardon because he played for, had already mm. played for Union and then he scored for them. So Yeah. Um, oh right, of course, because he scored the first goal against them as well. So he scored Tigre's goal to make it 2-1 and then he he scored Unions to make it 3-2 and he was probably very relieved at the end when Luna equalised. So yeah, I mean, the lesson that we can learn from this game basically and from the other subsequent ones is when you notice that there's an 11 o'clock Argentine time kickoff on Sunday, bet lots of money on there being (laughs) loads of goals because all of them have been really high scoring. We've had like two 5-0s, a 3-2, a 3-3. 3-1, River Defensa, yes, it's... And the next one, this coming weekend, have you spotted what it is? No. It is oh, it's not Boca. <laughs> I thought it was a Boca. Boca have got one to come uh-huh. in a couple of weeks' time anyway. So that could be interesting for the running, possibly, if, if the pattern holds up, because it's obviously cause rather than effect, or cause and effect rather than just coincidence. Um, there's no way it could just be a coincidence, is there? Um, other matches... Oh, River Central, we haven't talked about yet, since we're doing the Big Five. Mm-hmm. So yes. it may as well. Um, what did you think, Anders? I, I think that as 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 well as we uh, some time ago we talked about the similar matches one uh, one and once and again and, and 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 that repeated the bad the bad games. Now uh, reverse like got used to perhaps not play brilliantly or best the best game uh, play you could see, but uh, after a third half in which they couldn't break the, the Rosario Central defense which was re- clearly uh, trying to defend and not to... Even when they had the, 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 one of the best options to score after River scored the first goal. Mm. Um, uh, at the second half, and with the changes that Gachardo introduced, it was much better in terms of the uh, 
uh, accurate um, accuracy. Yeah. And yeah, they, they incredibly like the other the other match against Racing, Santos Borres uh, uh, scored the first one uh, coming from the bench, and then uh, Skok, uh, Skok, no, Prato with, the, with his first goal since he played for River. Uh, third. Third, yes. Yeah. It was sorry, I thought, I was, sorry, I thought it was the first. Third, yes, third. Um, uh, finally, uh, ended the match with a comfortable win. I think I think deserved, but with uh, again progress to to score when they have the uh, well, uh, no, not not giving away a, a half mm. because the first half they they tried but they couldn't. But uh, they have to change or to Gallardo have to move uh, the team they, to. They to still seem to me to lack a little bit of invention. Yes. And I don't think it's at all a coincidence. So Santos Borre was on the pitch for about 10 minutes before scoring, but more to the point, Fernando Quintero Again, had been on the pitch key. for about a minute before making the goal with, I mean, one of the best passes of the weekend for Lucas Prato to pull down and then play the ball into um, Borre, or possibly shoot, and Borre happened to get in the way. I'm not really sure yes. quite what Prato was intending, because it was a bit Yes, he could have shot, perhaps. But I, I think it was a pass, but it wouldn't surprise me to hear that it was a shot. Um... And and then and Quintero was also heavily involved in in the second goal, which saw Bodre set up Prato. Um, Is he just not fit? And these were both within a few minutes of him coming on. I just I don't know. As you say, is is he not fit? I mean, the the word that we keep hearing is that, or or, or that uh, that keeps being talked about in in the world of River fans on Twitter, um, is that perhaps that there's talk that uh, he's not quite fit enough to to get through ninety minutes. Right. And so he's being used as an option from the bench instead. But I think give him an hour at the start and then sub him off if he's knackered. Because if he's that good, but then I suppose he's able to pull defenses apart when they're already tiring and late on. And when he's being this reliable, but why not? But um, I will I say he's, think it's a great shame. I will say he's recommend Although the passes he makes sometimes make us makes us remember recommend in a way. I'm not saying that. Oh yes, he's recommend, mm. but. Perhaps he's not, he doesn't need to be that fit because he doesn't run a lot anyway. No, exactly. I mean, surely yeah. the team has, has got room for being able to carry one player when he's that creative. I, I, I said right after the game, you know, is there really no room for him in the starting eleven? And I got a reply um, from a young gentleman on Twitter called Tim Vickery who said he should be in a world eleven. I think Tim's possibly <laughs> allowing his own preferences about how football should be played to... to cloud his judgment a little bit there but certainly in the squad for a world 11 if not the actual starting 11 I would say um, but I mean definitely in Rivers starting 11 even if it means dropping Nacho Fernandez for him who, who's come on leaps and bounds again since you know he's one of the several players who've improved massively since the Super Copa win over Boca um, I, I think it's a shame because Nacho Fernandez is a player I've always liked even before he joined River when he was with Gimnasia I, I was a big fan of him um, but yeah, we have but, we now have um, have two quite different players in terms of physical form yeah. and passes. Capacity, yes. Basically, yeah. Um, but I mean, maybe Gonzalo Martinez could make way for Quintero as well, but then they seem to understand each other quite well. Quintero, uh, Martinez is making a lot of good runs to, to drag people around for Quintero's passes at times when they're on the pitch together. So it's tricky, I guess, finding a place to, to fit him in, but it's such a shame. Also, it's hard to say that uh, there were a lot of things similar. From the match against Racing to the match against Central, apart from the from the score, that the second goal also came from a mistake from the goalkeeper mm. uh, that made Gintero 
the, the pass the ball to 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 Borre and Borre give it to to Prato. Uh, that is not uh, to uh, quit some uh, the, the the great pass that that, that Quintero made. But uh, yes, they had uh, as as the the same way that they had didn't have the luck in previous matches. Now River ha is having that uh, little luck that you you need. Mm. Uh, you then you have to help that that luck. But they are having that luck because uh, a great amount of the goals they score come from a, from mistakes from the defense of goalkeepers in this case. Yeah, along with Godoy Cruz, I think they're one of the form teams in the Superliga now because they've won five in a row in the league, haven't they? And as I said earlier, Godoy Cruz have six. Um, not doing quite so well in the Copa Libertadores, which they feature in tomorrow night, don't they? Against away to Emelec. They, they've had a bit of a chaotic journey over there as well because of incidents in the airport in Lima. Yes, delayed um, flight. Holding them up on the way. So they've had mm. to cancel tonight's uh, practice, apparently. Um, but... Uh, well, it's Copa Libertadores. Exactly, yeah. It wouldn't be the Copa Libertadores without all this stuff. Um, and it looks... I mean, to me, I would say that River's um, winning run ought to go on at least one match longer because they're playing Arsenal this weekend. I know we always pick on Arsenal for this, but that is because they're awful. So, you, so you should, you There's a reason why the relegation battle was so shit this year. Yes. It's because those four teams were, were pretty shit. Terrible. So you're, you're suggesting for River to play with the reserves? No. Oh. No, not at all. I'm suggesting for them to see whether they can get a cricket score with, with the first team maybe hit double figures um, which might be a bit ambitious given the difficulty they have breaking down defences without uh, Quintero on the pitch but you know we'll see because River has to play again next Thursday yeah. the same rival but at the well, moment in that case they almost certainly will yes. play the reserves won't they but the fact that they've been able to use someone like Scott or as a sub or Dan mm. or Bonnet to come off the bench. It just shows the, the squad has been strengthened. Yeah, La, La Ronda yeah. played uh, the other weekend for in the reserves. Whoopie do. Don't get more reserves. Oh, yeah, I noticed yes. that, yeah. oh and bloody Lolo played ninety minutes. Yeah, didn't he? Lolo played ninety minutes against Central, which is yeah. the first time that he's played for River since signing for them. Pretty much, I think about eighteen, no, nearly twenty months ago. Incredible. It's, it's oh, not. It feels like it. He yeah, well. Yes. He did. Uh, he, he it's easy to forget that he was. Probably the best centre back in the league when Racing won the league. Yeah. Which, I, right, admittedly was three years ago or whatever, four years ago, yeah. just basically pure injuries. But. Three and a bit, 2014, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. the transition in 2014. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's easy to forget that with all those injuries, but there is a very good defender there. Somewhere in there. The Classico of the weekend was not very Classico. Uh, there weren't even very many cards to tell you about. Two for Banfield. Enzo Kalinski and Eric Remedi. Uh, one for Lanús from Luis Herrera. And that was it. It was a real, quite a dull match, which is not very usual. Obviously, it's not particularly usual for Argentine Clásicos, but it's really quite unusual for Clásicos del Sur. In fact, there was a, 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 like a statistics shown by, I think it was ESPN, that I don't remember, but it was a lot, or I know 10 Clásicos had to go to... This one, which was the first in ten Clásicos, mm -hmm. with no goals. In ten Clásicos between these two teams? More or less, yes. Like I don't remember it was... Clásicos this season. Yes. No, in total. I think oh, well. it was nine or ten, something like that. That doesn't surprise me, because it feels like pretty much all of them, since I landed, have been um, interesting and good games. Um, the other 
again that we have to talk about, which we touched on really briefly, was Vélez against San Lorenzo, 2-2 draw, um, in which Matias Vargas got that late equaliser to doom Chacarita to Be Nacional football next season. Um, did you manage to catch this, guys? Please tell me one of you did. I saw bits of it. Yeah. Okay. What did you think of those bits, Peter? Because I, <laughs> I was in the in the pub playing pool during it, so I didn't catch any of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought, as I said before, I think um, Vélez's performances have, have not probably yielded as many points as they deserve. So I think they were sort of good value to be able to snatch that point. Um, mm. And I think, as we've seen a lot of the times this season, they, they play some pretty nice stuff and caused um, San Lorenzo problems. Uh, they dominated possession. At least on the stats I'm looking at. And uh, San Lorenzo hit the post twice, but then they had the better of the shot count. Yeah. Um, trying to think what the two shots... That, one of them was like a long-range shot, which did have to keep a beat before San Lorenzo. But then again, the two San Lorenzo goals were mistakes as well by Rigamonte. Yes, I've seen the goals, and, um, and they both were so there's quite iffy. Um, Maro Sarate opened the scoring. He seems to have put his differences with Gabriel Hengse aside now. Yeah, Maybe he, he because scored something he's playing like a bit better in, and therefore Hainsa is not subbing him quite as often. Six in ten or something like yeah. that now. I mean, that's, I'm assuming it's going to be just another short spell and he's going to go off again somewhere else Yeah. Um, at the end of the season, which will be a blow because I think he does, he does certainly give something to them. And it, what he does bring as well is a, bit, a level of consistency to his performances, which some of the youngsters, um, however talented they might be. You know, six, six months only, not a possibility to, to extend it to one year? Or? I think they've got an option to make it permanent, but I don't know how much yeah, it is. Yeah, I think they have, but it's for an amount. I can't remember it's how quite, much it's it is relatively now, but I cheap, remember reading it at the time and thinking that's not going to be very much money for West Ham. If they had problems at the first... But I don't know whether Vélez could afford it. Or yeah. Not. So, yeah, that was... Or whether he one. would... I know he loves the club, but he does seem to use it as like when he needs football yeah. right, I'll go back to Vélez impress loads in the in Argentina and then get another move somewhere else um, which he's probably done enough to suggest that he could get another move somewhere yes. mm. he's still time that Vélez yeah exactly Yeah. So, and I'm sure it won't be the last either no indeed uh, Vélez's form Gabriel Hainsey took over at New Year didn't he so let's have a quick look at Vélez's results since then um as soon as this page loads which it is doing now uh, New Year was the 13th round so he started with that 1-0 win over defence he was this year um, and my word he hasn't actually see this is a point that I've mentioned a couple of times that I keep hearing about how Venice are really good and much better than their results and they play nice football and stuff and then I keep seeing them get deeply disappointing results uh, he's actually only won two games both 1-0 against defence he was and River back when River was shit um he has only lost three though so he's made them a lot harder to beat I think that's the main thing because the first half of the season the second half of last year uh, they played 12 matches they won four they drew two and therefore my maths tells me that they lost six and in none of those six games and in neither of the draws did they manage to score a goal Um, whereas this season or or this year sorry since Hainsey's taken charge they have played one, two, three, four, five, six. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 so a comparable number of games almost as many in fact they've won 3 same number no sorry they haven't they've won 2 so only one fewer um, they have only lost 3 and they have drawn 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 and they've scored in pretty much all of those games except for the 0-0 draw with Colon 2 weeks ago 
uh, about oh, a week, that was, week and a half ago. Yeah, but that was called off after 27 minutes. Of course it was. Yeah. yeah, they're showing that as a full result here. I was forgetting. Yeah. yeah. So in fact, they haven't played 11 games. They played 10 games. Um, they have so the only games in that case under Hainsey, in which they failed to score, are Chacarita and Patronato, which were both two nil defeats. Um, he has clearly got something working better in attack, which is ironic given the massive arguments he was having with Sarate for the first month and a half or so that he was at the club. Um, yeah, but for, from what I've seen of them, at when the expense perhaps of, of the, some defending, there's been a three-three draw with Estudiantes. There've been three two-two draws with Belgrano and Central before this one against San, Lore- San Lorenzo. Um, but from know, what I saw of them, though, when he first came in at the same time as Zanetti. He was playing him as a number nine, and he yeah. was just completely cut off from all of the play, and mm. wasn't getting enough of the ball, which is probably why they were yeah. having arguments. Putting now put him back, back ten is, and is put Salinas as the nine and him as a ten, yeah. with the likes of Vargas and Boussat, with their mm. pace on either side. I think it's just opened up Vélez as a far more functional attacking unit, and you get a lot better out of all of the players. Yeah, I would agree. So, I mean... Assuming that he gets to the end of the season and then gets another term or two, he's going to want to do something with the defence um, over the winter break, one would think. Their next match is a Tempele away, which you would think will be a win, but then then you know, relatively lonely themselves, so perhaps not. Banfield at home, San Martín away, and Argentinos at home. I can see them picking up four points, or maybe six from that. I'm not sure they're going to beat Argentinos on the last weekend, um, but we'll see. On that note, we will take a break. I think we've covered all of the main... Oh, we didn't really talk that much about Newell's Tacheres, did we? Did either of you see it? Uh, no, I didn't no. see it. No, Jeronimo Cacciabue's um, goal for Newell's is debut. worth checking out. Debut winner. On his debut, yeah. Uh, won the game with seven minutes to go. Um, that, that one's worth checking out. Uh, and now we will take a break. And when we come back, we'll answer some listeners' questions. Don't go away. protest of banging pots and pans that you heard during the first half is finished. It finished at some point during that first half, but I didn't notice it. Um, and the cat has now gone through to the bedroom. So it's going to be a hopefully less noisy uh, second half of the podcast. No doubt an ambulance will turn up before long or something, though, to show me the error of my ways in speaking before I should there. Um, points to discuss in the second half. One of the things that Peter mentioned during the break um, was something that we forgot to say during the first half, which is that Israel Damonte has found a new niche for himself. Most players move further back down the pitch um, as they get older, but he is going the opposite way. Yeah, well, he seems to be. He's got, I mean, is it three goals since he's joined Oregon in January? Mm. Including one just now, no? The only goal of the game against Argentinos yeah, Juniors. Stephen Manon and Bolly. Yes, <laughs> some, some, some players, some teammates of. Damonte showed with him that it was similar to one scored by Steve McManaman because it was in the air like a volley mm. and uh, the most funny thing is that the the other teammates of, of Damonte I, th- I assume that uh, uh, younger Steve who? Uh, well, he didn't, they, they didn't even know Steve McManaman which is not uh, 
uh, strange because uh, some players of the national team, we, we mentioned this some time ago when it happened, they didn't uh, even know who Batistuta was. Yeah. So it's not... And McManaman didn't play in Argentina, or for Argentina, <laughs> so it's perhaps less surprising, but um, indeed. Um, we have several listeners' questions. Uh, they are as follows. PR says, what is the best restaurant in Buenos Aires to get a beer and a steak? <laughs> Beer-wise, in most of the really good steak places, um, I think you're not likely to get anything other than like Quilmes and Isenbeck and stuff, because uh, they tend to focus more on the wine lists. Getting good wine here is not difficult at all. Uh, the best ones for steak, it depends on your budget, really. If money is no object, and it, money being no object in Buenos Aires is, is going to still be quite a bit cheaper um, than uh, in New York or London or something, obviously, um, then my recommendations would be La Cabrera, which is the really famous, quite touristy one, but sensational steak. Um, Saddle in Pardon? That's in Palermo. Ah. There are two in San Telmo. There's Gran Parrilla La Plata, which is around the corner from the yeah. flat that Peter is very shortly moving out of. Um, and uh, La Brigada yeah, is the excellent. other one, which is a, also a really posh, nice one. And there's one in Palermo, which you will need to phone ahead and book a table for because it's absolutely tiny and they don't give you very much choice on the menu, but what they do give you is sensational. It's one of my favourite places called La Carniceria. Um, I would recommend any of those places, but don't drink beer with it, drink wine. Um, La Brigada is almost like a little football museum as well. Yeah, La, La Brigada is really cool because they, they, yeah, they, they have uh, scarves and shirts decorating the walls and ceilings, and it's where a lot of the national teams go as well, for all sports, like to go before um, heading off to various things. They have signed shirts from the Argentine national hockey team or the football team before they go to the Olympics or their World yeah, Cup. Yeah, of signed stuff inside. Yeah. I, I met um, Walter Samuel there, actually. Did you? Um, last, last year or the year before. Yeah. Atletico Tucumán had just gone 2-1 up in La Paz with 15 minutes to go after um, a slightly chaotic goal. But, well, you never told me that, Peter. Yeah, I bumped into him outside. I started walking along because I was in my apartment. My, my ex-flatmate was walking out of our local when, when we both lived together in San Telmo uh, at about 3 o'clock one morning and saw Bono coming out of La Brigada when you two were playing in La Plata. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he, she said that uh, at 3 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the morning or whatever time it was he had his sunglasses on wrap around sunglasses yeah. at 3 in the morning and that was the point when she realised that he really is a massive twat <laughs> uh, that wasn't Argentine football related but you know never mind Andres yes there is another recommendation not that glamorous not that famous uh, but uh, the quality of the beef and the, st or the steak is fabulous and this uh, just uh, meters away from the Vélez Stadium is a, a surface stadium <coughs> called El Ferroviario, the railway... Oh, I've heard of this place. I've, I've heard of this place in a different context. In Apparently the, the customer service is like Jerry Seinfeld soup Nazi levels are bad. Um, but uh, to the point where it's actually amusing um, is what a couple of my mates have told me. But yeah, they said the same thing. Yes. Very, very good meat for ridiculously low like prices. Yes, it, if you're you coming as a tourist, probably not the kind of area. That yes, you but you have to be careful if you go at night because it's dangerous zone. You have to go with other people, or well, but uh, the the quality of the it's a wide. They they cut the the beef in a wide, uh, mm. uh, so it's really a great great. Yeah, uh, one of my mates told me that they went there after some event or something with uh, his then girlfriend and a few friends, and they tried to order some a few things, and the waiter was like, "No, don't order that. That's rubbish. What you're going to have is a couple of vasillos, 
and a few glasses of this wine because the other ones aren't so good at the moment and then this and he, he was like it turned out to be really good but he found it very amusing that the waiter was so blunt with but to, to have an idea sorry and this is the end of the story uh, to go, to enter to this salon today today local at uh, 1 p.m. you have to go there at 11 mm. because there is a long uh, it's very very crowded yeah turn up outside normal hours yes. um, Ahmed Al-Mudaris says, Hi guys, I've enjoyed watching Godoy Cruz lately. And I've been ve- oh, we're on to football questions now. Uh, and I've been very impressed now that Libertadores qualification is all but assured. Do you think that the team will stay together or is it inevitable that some players will go to bigger clubs? We have a related question from Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, who says, I've been impressed with Godoy Cruz. Are any of their players Europe or Mexican bound? Probably. Yeah. Uh... Santiago Garcia has been talked exactly, about for yeah. Boca or something, hasn't he? No, Racing, I think. Racing, yeah. Thank yeah thank if he's done the, the other yeah. episode, that the, if Lautaro Martinez goes away, which is sure, mm. perhaps Moro Garcia is an option for, for Racing. I think if any of the Grandes are in the market for a number nine, which I get, I think River and Boca were linked with him previously before yeah. River signed yeah, Bradford, Bell, yeah. um, then he would probably be near the top of the list from buying within the league. Yeah, Juan Garro as well and who's, Garro, who's yeah, done one. sterling work up front and um, Angel Gonzalez for me as well on, on the wing um, they're all uh, and also I think Halil Elias yeah. has been underrated in midfield uh, Paul Fernandes maybe I mean he obviously came from Boca beforehand which might or might not be a route back into Buenos Aires um, for him Garcia and Garro are the two for me that but, yeah. seem to be the most um Couple of, of friendly options mm. to the to the market. Yeah, uh, you know because the forwards have, are really what's what's driven Godoy Cruz uh, to their very high position of, of second in the league so far. Um, one or two of the defenders possibly as well. But yes, in short, it, it's going to be a bit of a struggle. Obviously, they can use the fact that they've got Libertadores football next season um, to to try and hang on to these players. But they're going to have to put up with six months of no Libertadores football for the second half of the year first of all so it does make it trickier and Garcia one of the not advantages kid, possibly of going back to a calendar year season no. Garcia's about 27 I think yeah 26, 27 so he's not so old but he's not young yeah, either but he might think mm, if this is I've just finished top score in the league yeah. if I say I'll hang on and play Libertadores and put it off for like what 18 one year to 18 months yeah. could see that opportunity go which would be an opportunity of a massive pay rise <laughs> I mean indeed see Cruz is Wages can't be similar. Similar situation as Sanchez, Carlos Sanchez, that when he left River, he has never played uh, abroad. Well, he played for Liverpool, but it's his home. That's in Uruguay, not yes, in England. of course. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he hasn't played, hasn't played even in Mexico where he's now. So yes, he he, he left at with 25, 26. Yeah, similar situation. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Was, well, I could stick around and hope that maybe Europe comes later. Well, I mean, the other thing with with Sanchez is he just he won named South American Footballer of the Year when yeah. he won it. So that was very much like this is as good as it's going to get for absolute. Yeah, yeah he'd won game. everything. He he could have no won, way I'm going to this. He, he was a bit further yes, along. But yeah, I mean, the, the thinking is clearly you know similar because I mean Santiago Garcia could have an astonishing next season, but he's not going to win South American Footballer of the Year yeah. or Godoy Cruz. You know, almost whatever happens, just because of the way that the voting for it works. Unless they win the title, even then, I would say. Yeah. I mean, if 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 they if they win the Copa Libertadores, yes, then he might stand a chance. But it will take something like that for him to win it at that club. Yeah. Um, Amundaris also says, also now the season is almost over. Would you mind telling us, mere mortal listeners, who you would have in your team of the season? The answer to that one is yes, we do mind because the season's still got 
loads and loads of room to it's like 15% of the season still to play it's not almost over no. four matches out of 27 that's loads so no be patient and wait for the actual end of the season and then we'll tell you um, particularly with the, the you know top of the table outside of Boca Juniors being um, relatively tight we still have to see who's going to finish where uh, Liam Kelly as well as that question about Godoy Cruz also says relegation is over and done with so who is now coming up I've been following the results and many clubs are choking also I'll send in predictions so we're going to hear Mystic Liam's predictions in a short while um, Aldercilia top but by one point but they do have quite a nice there's two games left I think and they've got a pretty nice two games so you'd expect Aldercilia I think to win it and then the it's like from places two to nine in a playoff. Exactly. That's, so that's what makes pretty... it very, very difficult to answer who's coming up. So as Peter says, Albacete top with 38 points. Almagro are second with 37 points. San Martín de Tucumán are third with 36 points. So any of those three realistically could win it. Mathematically, Vicha Dalmine, that would be a turn up for the books, Sarmiento and Instituto, and Atletico de Rafaela and Gimnasia de Jujuy and Deportivo Moron, in other words, all of the, the top nine, could still win the league if one of those teams were to win all of their remaining games and Aldo Civi were to lose both of their remaining games, then they, and you know, nobody else above them were to also. So in Moron's case and Gimnasia's case and Atletico de Rafaela's case, they've all got six points um, behind Aldo Civi. It's not going to happen, but mathematically it still could without looking at who they have to play still. Aldo Civi played the bottom of the league. And is it Riestra? Riestra, yeah. They're playing them this weekend and then they're home against the Estudiantes. De San Lorenzo? De San Luis, sorry? Someone who else is near the bottom. Estudiantes de San Luis, who are 19th. Yeah. So yeah, uh, we're so going to say that Aldo City. Aldo City should hold on. With Peter's excellent recall, because he's not looking at a screen or anything there, he's just remembered those fixtures. Um, with Peter's excellent fixture recall, we can say that Aldo City are going to win the league. We're going to call it for Nacional, uh, for Aldo City now, the Nacional B, which means that the playoffs are going to be well San Martín uh, and Almagro are virtually assured of them in fact San Mar- Almagro pretty much are because they're six points clear of Brown Neadro okay? in 10th uh, San Martín will be there as well Vicha Dalmine San Riento Instituto Atlético de Rafael Gimnasia de Jujuy and Deportivo Morón are the other sides who are going to be entering those playoffs um, so the other team who might do I suggest you don't discard any of them it's difficult is, but I suggest you don't discard Almagro to to promote, uh, to get this, the strike promote because, well, they are not the, the biggest team in, in National Bay. I think Aldo Civic have, have recently played in first division, but Almagro had also uh, played, not uh, right now, but uh, mm. 10 years ago or so. It must be at least, because they've not been in the Primera since I've been here, but then yes. I arrived eight years ago. So yeah, They were two, two, twice in 15 years, 15 years ago or so. Uh, twice they they got twice and they of course uh, were relegated again. But There's a couple of familiar names in the mix, isn't there? There's Instituto yes. there yes. and Atletico de Rafaela. Yeah, um, yes. yeah. I'm just trying to look so. at when Almagro were last in the top flight. More on that, that uh, uh, reached the. Uh, of course, that the semi-final. No, yeah, the semi-final of the Copa yeah, Almagro yes. were, were promoted. Were last promoted to the Primera in, tw- in 2000, but I'm not sure how long they spent in the Primera. Um, but yeah, I mean, Instituto are obviously not yes. a, a, that recent a Primera side, but they're a well-known name. Sarmiento, as you say, Atletico de Rafaela, 
um, as well in, in, in the playoff mix. So yeah, Kielmes probably not going to, but they're also not going to be relegated, which was a very real... Th- oh, they might still be... No, they're not going to be relegated, which was a very real threat just a few weeks ago, I seem to remember, when we were last asked about this. Um, they have clearly had a good run because they've got themselves up to 14th in the relegation table now, and it's teams 25 to 20 who are going to go down from the Bay Nacional. Um, more questions. Nashville says, Nashville TN says, just try to be restrained, Sam, when it comes to talking about Quintero being on the river bench. Yeah, that, that's too late, Tom, but thank you for the warning. Um, Arch Bell says, have not watched a lot of Belles this season, but liked what I saw of Matias Vargas against San Lorenzo. What are your thoughts on him? I think that he has stepped up very nicely into a breach that was very much there to be filled when Maxi Romero left in January. I can't remember where Romero went, actually. I was thinking this earlier. PSV. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's just won the league then, hasn't he? Yeah, but he's been injured the whole time. So he hasn't won the league. But it was his presence (laughs) that that, that gave them the lucky charm that they needed, I'm sure. Um, But, yeah, I mean, that that was a a big problem for Vélez, obviously, when he left. And I think that Vargas has, has been as good as anybody, really, at filling that breach. Yeah, I mean, we obviously talked about Vélez earlier, but I think um, Einstein either stumbled upon or already was well aware of a very very cohesive attacking unit. I think Vargas has been one of the most important parts of that is someone who can beat a man and give them like that little bit of creativity which they've lacked at times, mm. certainly in the first half of the season. And, the, and like you said, that Romero, when Romero left, it was a problem for him well, if Sarate Lips would be also a problem for Vargas because he mm-hmm. can score at the other day or the other night against Lorenzo, but he's more more a playmaker or, or a creative midfielder. Yeah. And uh, sometimes he can show the quality, like, as I said last, last night or the other night against Lorenzo, but sometimes he's more alone and he can't show that, but uh, he has the quality, of course. I think as well, what we've mentioned a lot in the past is the amount of very good young players that Vélez create but then the relatively limited number that seem to kick on and really make a mark outside Vélez yeah yeah. Um, so I'll be interested to see uh, he's not obviously ready for a move yet um, so I'll be interested to see over the next year or so how he progresses at Vélez if that move comes along and if he can continue to step up as other teams seem to have a, a bit more regularity in doing so yeah I would, I would agree with that. Uh, the next music, that was a very short second section, really, wasn't it? Can we think of anything else to say? Oh, we mentioned Aguero earlier. Yes, I suppose there wasn't a question on that. Yes, yeah. because uh, well, when you asked Peter whether Bustos were right for the World Cup or well, for the national team, uh, it was uh, there was uh, it was said last, day, last night or yesterday that the one who is more complicated is Aguero to, to get at least at his 100% form for World Cup because he had been under surgery uh, yesterday. Mm. Which is something of a blow given that he's the first choice number nine for the tide. Yes, and he was surprising because uh, he decided it quickly. It wasn't that well, he will, he was he will go under surgery. It was like perhaps the, same, the very same day he uh, was diagnosed with the, the, the injury he went under an, uh, I know how you, how to say it in English, arthroscopy. Mm-hmm. Is okay. Arthroscopy, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and we, it demands a one-month recovery. Luckily, that's, that's potentially why he took luckily. the decision. Well, yeah, I'm that's sure the doctor told him. Like, right, in that case, I can't delay the decision. Let's do it now, otherwise I'm not going to be at the World What I understand is that this is something, a knee injury which he's carried since March. Yeah. Has basically tried to play through it. 
Um, and now that City have obviously won the league and are out of Champions League, yeah. he went to see this specialist in Spain and was like, okay, well, let's just do, this, do the surgery now because City don't need me anymore and mm. hopefully I'll be back. I mean, I think his father was on one of the radio calling things yesterday saying that he said, oh, I'll be back training in 20 days. But then one of the AFA doctors was on later on and said with this type of injury, yeah, it better not be. minimum five weeks. Mm. before you start training again so I think it's just a little bit over five weeks really until until it's, the squad gets named or until the training well no it's less than that because the squad gets named on the 35 man squad gets named on the 14th of May right which is four weeks away and then, yeah, and I read got the friendlies here before going to Barcelona for the final bit of the preparation I, I read today that Argentina signed the contract to play against Israel on nine, the 9th of June and that Aguero should play there. Uh, so, well, we don't know whether it will be possible. We shall see. But if it's five weeks, then he'll be back by the 23rd of May. That's five weeks today. But that would be, And is that so five weeks until he starts just starting to just train yeah, again? Precisely, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. it's a shame because it seems to be quite common that we go into these major tournaments with Aguero just coming back from injury and mm. not at full fitness. Yeah. And then he plays in the tournament and says, oh, yeah, yes, great, he's not either he's obviously lacking fitness or gets injured again um, and then and I think more so in this tournament if that does happen Sam Pauli is going to take a hell of a beating if he's then taken Higuain um, as his second choice number nine so, yeah. um, and, in, and Argentina don't perform well because 100% everyone's going to come Calling saying why the hell so, no, unless, unless Gonzalo Higuain scores a hat trick in the final <coughs> yeah, well, people are yeah. going to be doing that for the rest of his life anyway, yeah, yeah exactly so. well, but more so I think if he, if he takes an unfit Aguero yeah. but Sao Paulo will have now to meet like, with these promoted meetings uh, with perhaps Dybala, Icardi I don't know because just to take them as possible uh, collapse if Aguero doesn't uh, get the well, 100% fit because you have to be at that point when you, to play World Cup and well, we will see, no, you have to be even when if, if, if what Sam says is true because of the of the dates uh, the 23rd of May he will be okay to, to recall, to, to come back to the trainings training sessions, that will be the another like uh, well, to train again and, be, and yeah. see whether he can play some football but I, I think that the, the, there was a tackle by a Manchester United player that uh, made the Aguero's injury worse. That Ashley Young, yeah, yeah, Ashley Young Ashley aggravated Young. a pre-existing. In the group. classic of the. Yeah. That's surprising because he's normally such a clean tackle. <laughs> so it's the Manchester United fan. Um, on that note, we will move on to mystical predictions. It's going to be Mystic Me against Mystic Liam. So Mystic Kelly against Mystic Kelly this week. Do not go away. My winning streak was ended last week uh, by Mystic Chico or Mystic Haywood, Wayward from Haywood, um, who beat me 8-5. There were only, I've just gone through that really quickly now, and I think there were two games or possibly three games which neither of us managed to predict uh, correctly all weekend, which is quite unusual. Um, so well done, and my winning streak now gets reset as we take on Mystic Liam, who's going for the following. Argentinos versus Olimpo. Liam says that's going to be an Argentinos win 
I think it's also going to be an Argentinos win. Estudiantes versus Belgrano. Liam is going for a draw. I'm gonna go. God, that's difficult to argue with, to be honest, because Estudiantes have been disappointing, haven't they? Let you know that I've read on today because I was doing previews. Oh yeah. Then um, Estudiantes are basically playing a second string eleven because of the fact that they're playing. They've got Libertadores. Uh, In that case, I'm gonna th- I'm gonna go for what I think is a really big gamble and go for a Belgrano victory. Um, due to my insider trading knowledge, thank you, Peter. San Martin against Lanús. Liam is going for a draw there. I'm going to go for... Blimey. I'm going to go for a Lanús win, which feels more like sticking my neck out than it should. Tempele against Vélez. Liam's going for a Vélez win. I'm going to go for a draw. Uh, Tacheres versus Gimnasia. Liam thinks that's a Tacheres victory. I think it is as well. Banfield against Godoy Cruz. Liam says Godoy Cruz will win. So do I. San Lorenzo against Chacarita Juniors. We're both going for home victories. Tigre against Huracan. Liam's saying away win. I'm going to go for a draw. I think Tigre can hold them out. Central versus Racing. Liam says draw in the Caldet Derby. I think it's going to be a win for Racing. Atletico Tucumán against Union de Santa Fe. Liam reckons it's a draw. I think um, that Union can win that one. Atletico are going to arrive quite tired from this match in La Paz, which they're about to win 2-1 once the referee blows his whistle. They've just won it 2-1. Um, Arsenal versus River. Obviously, we're both going to go for a River Plate win there. Boca Juniors versus Newells. Liam's going for a draw, which combined mm. with the Godoy Cruz win over Banfield that I think we both predicted, and he certainly did, um, would narrow things considerably. I'm going to go for... Which way do I want to go? I'm going to go for a Boca win. That's only about the second home win that I've predicted, so I'm happy with that. Colón against Patronato. Liam says draw. I think that that's a Patronato victory. And Independiente versus Defensa Justicia, the Olan derby. Um, Peter, are Independiente likely to field a second string for that? Uh, possibly. Really? I'm going to go for another Defensa Justicia win in that case. Three big five victories in a row. Uh, Liam says draw for that one. Uh, there are several entertaining looking games coming up this weekend. Apart from Independiente Defensa Justicia, which we picked out earlier, Boca Newells, because of the pressure that's on Boca now, to, I mean, on, in a way it's, there's not that much pressure, but in another given two straight defeats, there is a little bit. Um, and the way that Newells uh, beat Tacheres, they might be arriving with a little more confidence. Central Racing is a tie between two teams who like to play the right way, to use a cliche. Um, yeah, I think that there are some interesting matches. That, that Boca News match will be quite uh, tricky because, um, apart from the pressure, uh, as I said, Guillermo Barros Grotto will be in, in real problem to, to build a team. As they proved Cago in a training session, he, he couldn't finish that mm. properly. Oh, he didn't. Oh, I saw the headlines earlier saying he's training again. I didn't well, no, but it's. As Ole, well, Ole stated, which is, you can, you can take it or leave it, but Ole stated that it's 95% out of the match because... If there's one player you don't rush back for injury, it's no, no. Well, well, If there's one player you do expect to be rushed back from injury, it's him, I think it's not crazy. often, but yeah. It's, it's not crazy since uh, Barrios and pa- injured, Paulo yeah. Perez are injured, and, well, uh, uh, no, no, not crazy, but well, he couldn't finish, uh, as, as I read. My words. 
So, yet more bad news, really, for Fernando Gago, fitness-wise. We're going to end the podcast here, and Peter is going to sprint back to San Telmo. Yeah. Um, or, or um, yeah, for the Independiente game, which is kicking off in around half an hour. Carry on listening for the full-time score with that. And please join us again next week for more fun and games. For now, it is commiserations if your team got relegated, and goodbye for now from Peter. Goodbye. From Andres. Thank you, good night. And from me, goodbye. promised full-time score from earlier was 1-0 to Corinthians in Avellaneda. Frustrating for Independiente and a major blow for their chances of qualifying from the group in the Copa Libertadores.